Chapter Thirty of A King in Babylon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A King in Babylon by Burton Egbert Stevenson. Chapter Thirty. Darkness had come while we had lingered in the tomb. The stars were incredibly bright and along the east a line of light heralded the moon the air was delightfully fresh and cool and we drew deep breaths of it as we climbed quickly out of the excavation we were all the more deeply shaken than we cared to admit even davis i am sure felt his skepticism tottering but under the influence of the perfect night insensibly our spirits brightened davis was the first to cast off the spell which had fallen upon us he took off his helmet threw back his head straightened his shoulders as though flinging away some burden and then he looked toward the east where the band of light was broadening the moon will be full tonight he said and his face lighted suddenly with the old raillery it's at the full of the moon you know he added with an ironical glance at us that ghosts are especially active they simply can't stay quiet and behave themselves under a full moon so i have heard said creel therefore we'd better keep our eyes open and just then from the native camp the sound of that ceaseless chant floated to our ears we might go over and sleep with the fellaheen davis suggested inside their magic circle then the ghosts couldn't get to us creel walked on for a moment in silence just the same he burst out i'll be glad when this night is over thank heaven it is our last night here davis stopped and stared at him is it our last night he asked it is if you can get ready to leave tomorrow the picture is done or practically so i can finish it at luxor or even in new york and i think for all our sakes but especially for the sake of jimmy and the princess the sooner we get away from here the better i suppose you're right agreed davis and walked on slowly anyway if you're ready to go that settles it it's your expedition perhaps another day wouldn't make so much difference creel began I suppose we could stand it no davis broke in i can easily finish things up tomorrow there's nothing left to do except to get that body out and examine the tomb it's in two or three hours work at the most all right said creel that's settled then i confess i'll be glad when i see the last of this place so will all of us i think a moment later we reached the tents and found ma creel and molly anxiously awaiting us they had an unpleasant bit of news Mademoiselle Roland had sunk again into a cataleptic sleep. I'm worried about that girl, said Ma Creel, as we sat down to dinner. She's not well. She ought to have a doctor or nerve specialist or something. You oughtn't to keep her out here in the desert, Warry. It's not right. She isn't fit to work. I know it, said Creel. Therefore, we're going to start back tomorrow. Oh, fine, cried Ma Creel and then she looked at him like the good wife and helpmate she was is the picture done she asked all but some finishing touches which i can give it anywhere creel assured her and then ma creel's eyes turned to davis and i knew she was thinking of him too but of course she would ma creel always thought of everybody but herself davis caught her glance and understood i will be ready too he said i've only got two or three hours more work over there then everything's all right said ma creel with satisfaction and i am glad it will be a good thing for all of us 
There's something wrong out here. I don't know what, but we've all felt it. And she looked about the board, and no one said her nay. There's a curse on the place, said Molly suddenly. Yes, I've felt that too, agreed Ma Creel. We're all nervous and overwrought. As for Jimmy Allen, he's quite mad, I think. Where is Jimmy? asked Creel, and looked about as though missing him for the first time, though there was something in his air which told me that he had missed him from the moment of our return. I certainly had, and I had lost no time in assuring myself that he was not in the tent. I had feared that he too was sleeping that terrible sleep, which I somehow dreaded most of all. I had breathed a deep sigh of relief when I found that his bed was empty. He isn't in the tent, I said. No, said Ma Creel. He went striding past half an hour ago like a man possessed, cracking a whip he had got somewhere. He's mad, I tell you. Wasn't he over at the ruins with you? Yes, but he left before we did. What did he say? He didn't say anything. He never looked at us. He went right on past as though we weren't there, and disappeared in that clump of palms over toward the native camp. What does that queer chanting mean? Oh, that's just some of their superstitious hocus-pocus, answered Creel carelessly, but he glanced a little anxiously toward the native camp, and I knew that he was wondering, as I was, what Jimmy was doing over there. Calling for volunteers to fight the devil, perhaps? I rather expected to hear Jimmy's whip cracking and to see him come striding back before the meal was over, but there was no sign of him, and as we rose from table, Creel drew Davis and me to one side. What deviltry do you suppose Jimmy is cooking up over there? he asked. I don't suppose he's cooking up any, Davis retorted. He's probably gone to claim the protection of the chant and the magic circle as a king of ancient Egypt. We'll find him squatting in the midst of the natives like one of them. Well, I'm going to see, said Creel, and we two followed him. As usual, we found that Davis was right, in a way. Jimmy was there. But he wasn't squatting among the natives like one of them. He was sitting on a hummock of sand, with the natives ranged around in a respectful circle, for all the world like a savage king and his court. Directly in front of him knelt the priest or medicine man, or whatever his proper name was, with eyes closed and head thrown back in a sort of ecstasy, bellowing the four or five notes of the chant from a pair of leathern lungs. In his right hand Jimmy held the whip, and he was gazing steadily out across the sand in the direction of the ruins now clearly outlined against the rising moon. Great Scott, whispered Creel at last, if I could only get that on the screen. I couldn't help smiling at the way the great passion of his life cropped up even at such a moment. Well, why not? asked Davis satirically. It can't be done, said Creel with a gesture of despair. The picture? Yes, I might get that flat black figures on a white ground but how could i get the atmosphere the color the wind through the palms the desert perfume the sound of that weird chant i tell you davis the throwing of flat black images on a screen is merely the first step in the moving picture business we haven't arrived we're just getting started gradually we'll learn how to add the rest color sound atmosphere We'll show people in the round as they really look. We'll appeal to all the senses. I don't see why you can't get atmosphere now, said Davis, by the use of perfumes controlled by fans or by some similar device. Perhaps we could, Creel agreed, 
and fell silent turning the suggestion over in his mind what are we going to do about jimmy i asked at last my advice would be to leave him here said davis creel shook himself out of his thoughts yes that's best he agreed he would probably refuse to go back with us anyway and he's safe here he's safe anywhere davis put in i know said creel but being safe isn't the whole thing believing you're safe is just as important he believes he's safe here so this is the best place for him but look how he stares over toward the ruins he's waiting for something he's waiting for his tina to work that stone out of place and come after him mocked davis but i cast a startled glance out across the sand undoubtedly that was what jimmy expected i almost fancied i could see that dark terrible ape-like figure stealing along in the shadow of a ridge let us go back said creel abruptly and we left jimmy throned in the midst of his court we found molly and ma creel waiting for us with anxious faces for they had seen us go away together and had suspected that something was wrong they listened in silence to creel's account of jimmy's eccentricity told as lightly as creel could tell it i knew he was crazy said ma creel when her husband had finished i've known it for days but this is the worst yet well he's doing no harm over there said creel so we decided to let him alone is the princess still asleep yes if you want to call it that what else would you call it creel demanded glad to get the talk away from jimmy she's in a trance she's not asleep at all she needs help worse than jimmy we can't start before tomorrow can we creel retorted for he felt something accusing in his wife's look come along digby i'll help you get things together davis had already disappeared into our tent where i could see him in fancy bending above the hieroglyphics on the coffin of sikinyen ri i looked at molly then i looked at ma creel and just at that instant she glanced up and caught my eye you two get along out of here she said i don't want you bothering me i've got some thinking to do if you're sure you don't mind i began mind of course i don't mind but i don't see how molly endures that pipe oh i rather like it said molly to my intense astonishment and in another moment we were walking away under the palms together and my heart was beating like a trip hammer for i knew that my great moment was at hand let us go out to the edge of the desert she added it will be beautiful under the moon have you noticed that the moon is full tonight yes i answered and couldn't find another word so we walked on in silence till we came to the place where we had sat two nights before right at the edge of the sand and i spread her cloak on the ground and she sat down and i sat down very close to her and my heart lightened suddenly for she didn't draw away but my voice still stuck in my throat vanished utterly were all those eloquent periods when i had rehearsed in private in order to be ready when the moment came and molly too was silent perhaps it was the awful panorama which stretched away in front of us that rendered speaking difficult ridge after ridge of drifted sand mounting to the horizon one behind another like waves of a sea a sea suddenly arrested and frozen motionless but ready at any instant to rush down upon us and engulf us it was suffused with light the darkness seemed somehow filtered through with rose and occasionally a wisp of vapor floated up like a sheeted ghost from the dark valleys between the sand ridges 
I felt that anything could happen there anything It is lovely Lovely said Molly at last, but I'm glad it's our last night. I'm so glad of that Yes, I agreed so am I do you really believe it is just the heat and worrying about the picture Molly asked and I knew she was thinking of Jimmy Allen tell me honestly Billy do you no I said I don't there have been too many things things like like those we saw yes like those Davis laughs at them he has an explanation for everything and at first I thought he was right but when things you can't understand keep right on happening you feel that that something is wrong how would he explain what we saw as cloud shadows or wisps of vapor like those out yonder and of course they might have been in fact I suppose it is silly to think them anything else and yet yes said Molly and yet that's just it I am sure somehow they were not shadows or wisps of vapor she fell silent but she looked so sweet and tender sitting there in the moonlight that I suddenly found myself taking her hand and drawing her to me Molly I began my voice was shaking so I had to stop and then she looked up at me and her eyes were full of tears and she just snuggled against me and laid her head on my shoulder I do love you Billy she said I've loved you all along but presently she stirred and sat erect and held me away from her and looked at me you're sure you forgive me Billy she asked you're sure forgive you I echoed in amazement what for 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 the uniforms and things I managed to pull a serious face well I said you did go the limit you know Molly I know it it wasn't nice I oughtn't to have let him hold my hand let who hold your hand I demanded but it made me so angry to see how she monopolized you who monopolized me that vampire and she was laughing at me all the time and at you she was just doing it to annoy me and make trouble nonsense I protested and you mustn't call her a vampire it isn't nice I don't care it's what she is I have felt it from the first and I could see she hated me and that was why she made up to you I tried to get her away but she wouldn't even let me introduce anybody else she said you were enough it was horrid no wonder I I flirted a little well I didn't I said severely I never held anybody's hand there was never a hint of flirtation between mademoiselle Roland and me anybody could have heard every word we uttered Molly snuggled to me again with a little sigh of content I was sure of it she said but I wanted you to tell me and you forgive me on one condition what is it that you never do it again you're a goose she said you ought to have taken a whip to me I will I said after this and then suddenly I thought of Jimmy's whip and of him sitting over there in the midst of that circle of crouching blacks and involuntarily I looked out again across the desert the rosy glow was fading the shadows in the folds of the sand seemed deeper like valleys of blackness between ridges of light from one of the valleys a shadow detached itself it was moving towards us it came slowly with deliberation hugging the shadows wherever possible seeking to hide itself behind every ridge skulking low across ribbons of light for all the world like one of the natives trying to sneak back to camp unseen a native who had stripped off his clothes lean and ugly 
and then my heart leaped sickeningly for i saw what it was end of chapter 30